Hey everybody, as creatives, we know how important it is to maintain a state of flow and stay alert throughout the workday. So I've partnered with Unlimiter. Unlimiter is a powerful nootropic supplement that helps you stay focused, increases your memory, and gets you through the day as a creative. So check the link below in the description, as well as use my promo code JESSE15 for a discount on your first bottle. Once again, use code JESSE15 for a discount on your first bottle. And with that being said, let's get into the episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Jesse Nyberg podcast. Today we're here with Dan and he's a really talented photographer that I've known for a bit now. He was actually one of the first guests I recorded with, I think like episode five, but we lost the footage and we're finally redoing it. Here we are. Yeah. Glad to be here. Yeah. And when we were talking last, it was like, I think kind of right in the peak of not COVID, maybe not the peak, but everyone was still dealing with that a lot differently than it is now. It's gotten a lot yeah, easier. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what kind of like stuff have you been working on in the meantime? Um, since we last spoke, I've been pushing more into the fine art side of things, which I remember we brought up a little bit that last time that we uh, recorded the first podcast. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing a little bit of fine art, just producing photo shoots from a more artistic perspective rather than the commercial side. Mm-hmm. Um and since then, I started working at a branding agency down in San Diego, so doing commercial photography there. Yeah, I think you were telling me last time you had just started then when we were chatting about it at that agency, or it might have been somewhere else, but... Might have been, might have been. Yeah, I've been there for four or five months now. Are you living out there then? Yeah, for now, I'm living down in San Diego, still commuting to LA, though, almost every week, so... Uh. Yeah, that's a bummer. It takes like, I mean, I've seen some people talk about that traffic on like the five trying to get in there. It's pretty crazy. It's like a three hour drive on some days. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, you like it over there though? Cause I know you were kind of like kind of big in LA, like doing a lot of stuff around here, but does it feel like more chill over there? I feel like it's, it's a nice balance just because in LA, my social life like took a hit just because everybody's kind of off doing their own thing all the time. Everybody's kind of hustling over there, which is good because it motivates me, but it's like really fast paced. So down here, it gives me kind of the opportunity to like unplug and just chill out when I need it. And I can just jump right back into work whenever I want to. Yeah. And the beach vibe is kind of like contagious, you know, like, Yeah. yeah, they work just as hard in a sense, but they're also like, don't bother me after five. Like we're hanging out at the beach. Like, yeah, hard play hard. Mm-hmm. It's cool though because uh, you can kind of yeah that commute probably sucks, but you're able to get into LA and like still make moves and do what you need to do, but escape in a sense. And rather than when you're yeah. just living here, it's like you're always in it. I went to Palm yep. Springs recently, like just to do a little vacation with my girl and. Just driving around over there, I was like, Jesus Christ, we have so many people in LA. Like, it feels so yeah. weird. Yeah. Me and my girl just took a trip to uh, Yosemite just because I was yeah. working like three days a week in LA and getting caught up in it. Literally, just three days a week was like too much for me now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. Like, once you get out of the city, you just realize how fast paced it is in there and how dense, how densely packed it is with people. Yeah. So are you doing pretty much the part part of your work is the stuff with the um, agency and then you're just still taking on like freelance? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that agency, technically I'm an intern at that agency. Um, hmm. So whenever they need me, they'll just hit me up and I'll shoot a few projects for them once or twice a week and the rest oh, of cool. the time I'm dancing. Yeah, so it's it's not like uh, it's not like the shitty internship though, where you just have to be there all the time, even when you're not doing anything. Those kind of suck. Yeah, in that sense, it's it's super nice. My like hours are super flexible, and mm-hmm. I kind of just communicate with my boss about when I'm available, and yeah, uh, we just kind of work that. Yeah, because they kind of probably know you're doing your own thing, taking on projects and whatnot. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I was kind of wanted to ask you, uh, we chatted about it a little bit before, but I want the people to be able to know if you can just kind of give me a little bit of background on like how you originally got into photography and kind of your style and stuff. Yeah, definitely. So, um, right around 20, I've been shooting photos since I was like a kid. My first camera came in a cereal box and it was like a super <laughs> cheesy SpongeBob themed, like 35 millimeter point and shoot camera. Yeah. Um, so I've been shooting forever, but in around 2013, I saved up, got my first like real digital SLR camera and mm. I just like, fell in love with it. And I was shooting all the time, but I never shot pictures of people. That's one thing that I hated. And right around 2017, I had a photo teacher in high school who he, he pulled me aside and he was like, yo, like you're doing great at taking pictures of rocks and stuff, but like you need to learn how to take portraits for this class. So like go yeah. out, just grab a classmate, take pictures of them over the weekend and come back. So I went and I grabbed this girl that was in my class and we went to the beach and just shot photos. And I like, I kind of fell in love with it right away. Um, just working with people. And from mm -hmm. there, it became me shooting with girls in my high school all the time. They wanted photos for their Instagram, and I wanted to take pictures of people. So that kind of worked out. Yeah. And then that just kind of evolved into me like wanting to make a career out of that. And um, pretty soon, influencers started hitting me up and started just climbing the ladder of, of just the type of people that were messaging me to get photos taken. Um, yeah. So for a little bit. I was like very into the influencer photo world, um, took a year off, like a full year just off of photography. And when I came back, I realized that I didn't want to be taking pictures of influencers. I wanted to be making art and um, I wanted to be taken more seriously as an artist and a photographer. And um, I kind of yeah. shifted gears a there, but uh, that's just kind of how I got into it and to answer your question about my style how that came about it's i always say that i think it's very rare to have a completely original and unique style i think style yeah. is really just an amalgamation of all of the styles of the people that inspire and influence me um mm -hmm. personally i'm like really constantly inspired by like the masters of photography, Annie Leibovitz, um, Fred Herzog, Irving Penn. Those are just a few of the big ones. Uh -huh. um, modern day photographers, there's Stu, who you know. Um, he definitely influenced mm -hmm. my work a lot, kind of coming into L.A. And uh, the big one is Tyler Shields. He's he's a buddy of mm -hmm. mine right now, but. His, his photos are phenomenal and definitely have been influencing my style in the last year. Yeah, that's it's always nice to, you know, not only be influenced by like these legends of the craft, but as you get older and kind of develop yourself as a creative, you start to actually be, you know, more peers with these people that you're inspired by and you actually get to Absolutely. hang out with them and, and talk to them and stuff. Um, oh, yeah. it's interesting what you say about the whole like influencer thing, because I could see that you, sh even though you're shooting these models and things now that have like the same status as an influencer, maybe in like followers or whatever, you can tell though, it's more artful and like, it's taken more serious and you're doing things like that have more art direction and stuff rather than just doing it maybe like for the scene or whatever and trying to kind of oh. get around. When yeah, you were doing think, that influencer stuff, did you find that, uh, like, where was the point where, like, were you doing them a favor and, like, because of their, like, name or did they pay you, you know? Like, how was that working in the beginning? I think in the beginning it was kind of a symbiotic relationship because at mm -hmm. the time, and I think this was, like, not to bash on anybody, but I think it just wasn't right for me. But at the time, I was focused on followers. Like, I wanted right. followers. I wanted a bigger presence on social media. Um, and obviously, the more followers the people that I was shooting with had, the better it was for me. 
Um, right. And it also did build credibility. So in the beginning, it was just kind of me hitting people up and seeing who was down to like give me two hours of their time and get some photos. And it was definitely kind of like sometimes there would be a plan or a concept, but most of the time it was just like, let's meet up at this Starbucks and walk around and take photos. And yeah, like didn't feel like I was really um, flexing my creative muscles right there. Right. Um, But yeah, it, it was a nice shift kind of getting out of that and getting the chance to work with more professional models and um the shoots that i'm doing now like the the people that i'm shooting might still have the same influence as an influencer the Mm -hmm. same status or presence but it's definitely coming from a more art-based perspective where i come in with a concept i'll pitch it i'm not i'm not really down anymore to just show up at the starbucks and walk down the block and see what we get yeah um yeah that's kind of I've gotten past that. Walking around downtown looking for the cool like painted walls to shoot like low yeah. uh, depth of field portraits on. It's funny because um, what was that? Go ahead. Putting those disco presets on every photo. Yeah. It's funny because I don't even do a lot of photography, but just from the social media and doing a little bit of it, I kind of see all the trends and see what happens and all the things that change with it. And um, I think the good difference between the a lot of the stuff you're doing now, like you said, is, yeah, they may have the same influence, but these models or these art directors or you, like all the stuff you're working with, it feels more authentic in the sense of, you guys would be doing these projects if social media didn't exist. You know, the influencer people, that's all it's about. It's only about the social media. If they weren't getting any gratification or followers out of it, they could care less about shooting at the Starbucks or whatever. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so you do a lot of stuff on film, I know. And uh, I'm just kind of was wondering what kind of made you get into specifically film and why do you think that you continue to do that when like digital is obviously easier or whatever? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. So originally I started shooting film because Stu, Stu Caldo mm-hmm. was, uh, was shooting yeah. a lot on film and I like always really looked up to him as a creative and, um, when I was first thinking about dropping out of college, I drove down to LA to interview him for um, a series of interviews that I wanted to put out. Um, And in talking to him, he recommended me this film camera that he was shooting on. And so him being like a big inspiration of mine, I immediately went and bought it. And I just kind of started shooting film, but not really understanding like how to do it properly or how to do it right. And it just kind of like, that's how I got into it. Um, but then I started kind of realizing that all of my photography inspirations and the people that I look back to, um, as like some of the Titans of photography, all of their work was on film. Like all Mm -hmm. of my inspiration that I look at in all the photo books that I own is film because it was shot back in the fifties, sixties, seventies. Yeah. And I remember just thinking like, hold up, film isn't just supposed to be like a grainy visco filter looking thing. Like it has the potential to really look beautiful and it has these colors to it. Um, And I remember thinking if they can shoot film that looks like that, I want to learn how to shoot the way that they would just to kind of exercise um, being able to produce like a beautiful image with an analog technology. Like sure it would be easier to Mm -hmm. shoot digital, I just wanted to challenge myself and then Tyler Shields came along and him being one of the photographers that I look up to the most he told me that all of his work is on film he doesn't shoot any digital and Mm -hmm. I like looked through his pictures and the quality to them and the colors just like blew my mind and it kind of really showed me what the potential of film is yeah and it just kind of I like went off. I, I could never, the quality after shooting so much film and learning how to use it, the quality doesn't 
compare for me. Like my digital camera is great, right. but the quality of it will never equate to what I can shoot on a film camera now, which is insane. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's like a good, you know, you really have the methodology to back it up. Some people are just like, I just like the dust on it or whatever, yeah. you know, or like, I like the vibes. Uh, it's, it's kind of not the same, but I feel that way with like records and shit. Like I used to think it was like obnoxious or whatever, but I was like, damn, like this shit actually does sound good. You know, got into it. I have my whole record collection right there too. You get into that and it's like, you start to have this appreciation for it beyond the trend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, um, with the film stuff, like I feel like, um, it's interesting that you said it's actually good. It's not just like, yeah, like the dust or the filters. I remember we were talking about this last time, how everyone puts those effects and stuff. And like, I do it, designers do it, photographers, videos, they all sell those, you know, like, you know, CRT like overlays or like film super eight and stuff. And they want it to look grungy and dirty. And we were talking about how the OGs were like, you better not have that on your photos. You know, like they wanted it to be clean. And we've like, we're so privileged with technology that we get something that's good. And then we have to go in and like, fuck it up to make it feel real or something. I think we talked about it. It's, it's funny to me. Cause like film became a trend, like the film vibe became a trend Yeah, because the scans and the films and the cameras that people were using were cheap and like not taken care of properly. So you would get yeah. dust and scratches yeah. on the negative, which like, looked cool it became a trend everybody started doing it and trying to copy that but if a portrait photographer in the 90s before digital or 80s like if you hire somebody to come take pictures of your family on film and they give you back a dusty scratched picture like yeah. you'd be pretty upset i'm supposed to look like that right and it's not like the family's trying to put it on like their new mixtape or some shit so <laughs> they want it to be clean yeah 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 and do you um was i gonna ask you um what's that uh camera like what's the thing with that camera you've been using lately that's where you like look down at it like yeah. that so that's like growing up and taking photography classes in high school and stuff everybody mm -hmm. always talked about that camera it's a Hasselblad which it's a, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's a German camera. I'll have to look it up. It's either German or Swiss. Um, and it's just like, it's the camera that they took to the moon on the Apollo missions. Um, and it's oh, just shit. like a beautifully designed like piece of art in itself, but it's one of the best cameras out there. Um, like all of the masters of photography would have shot on one of those um yeah. for a long time like it just seemed completely unattainable for me to be shooting on one of those it just didn't add up for me to have one um and then tyler shields actually he facetimed me at like three in the morning a few months ago and he was like yo dude um like i keep telling you you need to get this camera uh, i found one on ebay for for like a deal and i logged on and immediately just like called my credit card company, increased my spending limit on my credit cards, like on the spot, just bought the camera. <laughs> um, and it's Dedication. like, it's just this beautiful piece of work. It's a medium format camera. So the film is six by six instead of 135 mm, square meters. So it's a huge, like beautiful negative, And it's just the quality that you can get out of those scans and those negatives is like better than what you could get with any digital camera it's insane wow so then uh the negatives are actually like just big like that like a big roll so the negatives are about the size of if you like take your iphone screen the negative is a square but it's about this wide so it's a huge wow. negative um and that i mean that equates in digital cameras the sensor it's either a crop sensor or a full sensor and that negative mm -hmm. is kind of bigger than a full-size sensor. So it just takes in so much information and detail wow. that if I got, if I paint 
for the highest resolution scan. Like I could print a billboard with that and still have detail and quality in it. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. Cause you know, you get kind of, even the best cameras, like, you know, full frame, like a Sony a seven or something, you're still limited to the technology and yeah. the, even though it's mirrorless and all that, that's crazy. Cause I've worked with billboard stuff and you yeah. definitely like get your shit gets digital. Like even the best tiffs, like they start to get a little shaky once you blow them up that big. And starts getting a little shaky in there. Yeah. But it's, it's weird. Cause I like, I have, I'm up to like 32 cameras now in my collection wow. and yeah. I only have one digital and it's the one that I use the least. Um, all of the other ones are old school film cameras. That Hasselblad, it's from 1974. I looked up the serial number. It's Damn. 1974. Yeah. It old even school. looks cool. Like when you shoot it, when you're taking your little videos of like you're yeah. shooting it, I'm like, damn, that like, even that looks better than a lot of photos I see. Just the little like screen you're looking at. It's cool because you can look down and that eyepiece that I use to look down into it, it's a completely modular camera. So I can take mm -hmm. off the back that holds the film and put on a different film if I want. I can take off the lens, mm -hmm. swap it out. That eyepiece swaps out for whatever eyepiece I want to put in it. Um, so for those videos, I have that one where you can just look down and see the picture on a screen. And it's cool because yeah. it almost looks like a digital not better but it's literally just the yeah. reflection of what the camera is doing um and it just looks beautiful every time yeah that shit's dope and i feel like uh you know it's cool because it looks like that style like rather than looking through like a viewfinder like this or something it looks like you can really get like your framing right and everything and like the whole composition because yeah. you're almost looking at it like you know, like when you put up a paper on a wall and you like kind of look back at it, you kind of get a sense more of like size of everything. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's um, that that camera is great to use for fine art um, when I really have the time to slow down and frame every shot correctly. Mm -hmm. But I could never shoot something like action sports on it. Like my my 35 right. millimeter film cameras. I can shoot like 10 frames per second, I think it is. No worries, like I'll just shoot away. That camera takes me about one to two minutes, if not more, to line up every shot. So it's, it's. I almost compare it to using like a musket compared to like a Glock. It's, yeah. with modern guns, like fire away, you don't care. But you really right. have to take the time to like, make sure all the settings are right, check it, double check it. There's so many little like switches and knobs that I have to make sure are mm -hmm. in place, good to go. And focusing it takes takes a minute in and of itself, framing it. Once everything is set, I have to like triple check that the framing is correct and just like take a deep breath, step yeah. back, look at it, make sure I like it. It's a whole process. You're like a sniper with that shit. Yeah. <laughs> You have to be really calculated and just take your time on that. Because I'm, I'm sure it's pretty expensive. Not only the camera is saying you had to raise your limit or whatever, but each shot of film, I'm sure, is like at least like, what, five bucks or something? Yeah, just about. Um, I think each negative, I'm paying like $14 for the roll right now. And I get mm -hmm. 12 photos per roll. And then it costs me $20 to develop it. So I'm talking like yeah. $45 for 12 photos. So yeah, it, uh, it adds up. It you does. better get the shots, huh? When you only yeah, you, have to make those. Those, you have to make those count. There's been a few times where I've messed up some settings on the camera and I'll get back the entire roll and it's just blank, like not a single picture Ooh. on it. And it's... Every time that happens, it's just $45 and down the drain and a bunch of lost pictures. Yeah, yeah that's the worst because it, it's not even the money at that point either. It's just you knew you had some cool shit. I've done that with um, yep. just 35. Like I had an old um, 
I think Olympus, like 35 millimeter. And I was shooting in Santa Monica one time and I don't know what I was thinking, but I opened up the the thing to like, after I, I don't know, I was thinking I was going to show someone or something. And then all the light just went to the camera and it it made everything white, you know, because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And I go to develop them and it wasn't like these were these crazy photos that I was going to print, but they were some things, some things happened that day that I shot that I could never recreate, like in terms of memories and just like weird, like things that happened that these people yeah. that we met and stuff. And yeah. it's just such a bummer because you feel like you're, uh, you're like, this is going to be cool rather than taking it on my phone and blah, blah, blah. And then you get it. And I guess that just comes with it though. It's kind of the sacrifice. Part of it. I feel like now that I shoot 99% film, I'm like way more careful about it just because I'm like getting rid of the use, going through the steps of like going through my mental checklist to make sure everything is set. Right. But it is, it's rough. It's rough when that happens. Did you use the um, Hasselblad on the, uh, those shoots you did with that? It's her name's Julia, right? The one where you did in that big house, the pool and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I used, um, that one I actually shot quite a bit of 35. Mm-hmm. I had four different film cameras kind of on a rotation for that shoot. But uh, a bunch of the photos I posted did come off of that thing. I didn't, I don't think I posted any digital photos from that shoot. Yeah, that one, like, that was nice. Like, that, like, the colors in that shoot were beautiful, like, the pool and yeah. everything, and just the blacks were, like, so, so yeah. rich, and I could see that, you know, you actually know what you're doing. It's not that 35-millimeter point-and-shoot, like, Fujifilm shit, you know? Yeah, I shot that on Fuji on my iPhone. Um, <laughs> yeah. that, that shoot was the biggest production that I've ever taken on. I, I think it nice. is. Um it took a little over a year of like production on my end to get that together and then just wow. like ramped it up to working almost every day just on the concept and scheduling and all of that during the last like two weeks leading up to it. Um, mm-hmm. And then the day of, I, I was like on set just like looking at this team of people that were all there to execute an idea that I had. It was just like the coolest feeling in the world to see. I was standing in like this beautiful house in Hollywood and just like surrounded by a team of super, super talented people. And it was just Mm -hmm. kind of a surreal feeling that I'm just always chasing now. Yeah. And it's weird because you would think that you know, when I think a lot of people think when they're younger, you want to do everything yourself and all that. But if there's a different feeling when not only did you do a lot yourself, but you hired the right people to do the things that they can do better than you. And it all kind of just comes together. It's like it's yeah. a lot more powerful because you have someone to share the like satisfaction with, you know, like everyone's just like, that was cool. I can't wait to see the end of it. I've always been a very independent photographer in the sense that I don't usually Mm -hmm. have a team or anything like that um it's usually just me and the model which can be great but it can only take so far um because I can only Mm -hmm. do so much myself um but there's something about which I'm like learning more about recently but there's just something about having somebody whose job is makeup do the makeup somebody whose right. entire like passion is yeah do the hair like i'll stick to what i know which is just the photography and the concepts um but yeah there's there's something to be said about having a group of passionate and talented individuals doing what they do best to help me create the best possible yep. images yeah and it's easy to take those things for granted like uh I did a shoot when I was at my job for uh, new products we were releasing. So we rented one of those like peer spaces or whatever. We shot in like the bathroom. We did some studio shots of the products and stuff. And we had a girl there that was just doing like the like prop and like setting everything up. And I didn't realize I was like at first I was like 
not disrespectful, but I was kind of just like talking to my boss, like, why don't we just like, do we really need to do that? You know? And he was like, I don't know. We're just trying it out. And she made everything so much better, subtle little movements to like the product and like spacing. And I was like, holy shit. Like she came in with a little brush and like brushed off all the dust and everything. It's crazy. That I don't have like the best attention for detail. So when I have clients like ask me for product work, if I can't afford to hire somebody whose job is just to like make sure the products are staged properly, yeah, I won't even take those jobs on anymore. Like, I know that I wouldn't deliver what I'm capable of shooting without the help of somebody whose entire job is just yeah making sure that everything is in place, the details are right. Yeah, definitely. And that's good of you to know that I, when I was younger, I used to take on projects that I definitely were out of my wheelhouse. And now I realize like, oh, this guy wants a crazy illustration that I'm probably not going to execute on. Let me pass it off to someone else or hire them like subcontract, whatever. Yeah, definitely. When did you uh, uh, kind of get the relationship with that Julia girl? Because I see you do a lot of shoots with her and stuff. And like, she seems like a really good model. We've actually only shot twice. Um, oh, really? But I think I found her a little over a year ago. I, I think I've been following her for a few years now. Um, and I've always just mm-hmm. thought that she has this really unique, like classic look. Um, yeah. I've always been a fan of, of not just her look, but her the types of jobs that she takes on and uh, gets to work on are the sort of jobs that I like dream about having. So I I hit her up for a shoot about a year and a half ago and we just did something super casual, like drove up to Malibu and just kind of got to know each other a little bit, shot a few photos and um, I loved those. And right after that shoot, I remember I uh, I was going through a photo book of mine. It was Helmut mm-hmm. Newton. And I kept seeing photos that he shot of this model, Linda Evangelista, who was a model in the 80s. And she has mm-hmm. like a really similar look. And his style always inspired me. Um, I think you can definitely look at my work and see some reflections of his work in there. And so I just immediately yeah. like thought of Julia and I was like, I have to get something shot with her in this style. And I just put together that concept and that like a year of concepts and planning and everything led to that last shoot that we just did. Yeah, yeah that's cool. I think I maybe thought you shot with her a lot because I've just seen you post quite a few uh, shots from like different things you've done. Yeah, I posted a few different shots from, from our two shoots just because like, we got so much good content out of those two mm-hmm. shoots that I have enough stuff to post for the next like two years. <laughs> yeah. And it's nice if you just kind of treat the compositions differently in the color, you could kind of milk a, a shoot and spread it out for like, you don't have to yeah. do a carousel and waste all of them at once, you know? Yep. Definitely. Uh, I wanted to ask you too, like, uh, about, um, what was it? Uh, I asked you before, but the film recovery thing, because I want people to hear about that. I think it's really cool and like why you started doing that and how that happened. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was on a, uh, it, it's a, it's a long story, but to make a long story mm-hmm. short, I had just like, I I was really in my head living in LA this one night and like, I was just like, down in the gutter and probably like the lowest I've been mentally. Mm-hmm. And I just woke up at like three in the morning and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to drive up the coast and like, I don't know where I'm going to go, but I'm just going to drive. So I packed my stuff and I just started driving North and I made this whole week long trip that took me to Portland, Oregon. And I walked into this like art type store where it's just like scraps yeah. and salvage and people will donate like paper, comic books, whatever. And I saw this huge bin, like two massive bins of just film negatives. 
and they were just like tossed in there and cut up and like nobody was yeah. buying them. Like they were just stacking up and they were like 10 cents per negative. But I remember I sat there for like an hour, just like looking at all the negatives and going through them. And I remember thinking all of these pictures like have a story. Somebody took every single one of those pictures on a different camera yeah. and maybe it's a family vacation. It's a family portrait. Um, there were pictures of family members. There were pictures of kids on a date in the fifties, like stuff going yeah. back all the way to the 1920s and earlier. Um, and I just like picked up a handful and I just walked up to the register and gave them like five bucks and just walked out with like all these negatives and I started scanning them at home on my film scanner and like I started editing them to make them look a little bit nicer than they actually are. They're all scratched up and beat up. And it just yeah. like something about it resonated with me, bringing these like negatives back to life that were just thrown out at some point because every single one of them is either a cool picture or tells a cool story, but every one of them has a story behind it. Somebody had to think yeah. that moment was important enough to photograph it. It's just in right. a bin somewhere in Portland. So I started I started hunting for more negatives and I made that Instagram account um, film kind of hunt for I don't know what just happened to the computer recovery project. <laughs> one sec. Yeah. To just try there we go. Um but yeah, I made that film uh, film recovery project Instagram mm -hmm. to kind of take those negatives and put them on a platform where they can be appreciated. That's kind of the whole the whole deal with that is I just want people to be able to kind of gain some insight and see what I'm finding, which I think is cool. I thought it was worth sharing. Yeah. Yeah, and it is cool, and you, you make a good point saying that someone thought it was important enough to capture that, especially going back to the ones from the 20s and 30s and 40s. Yeah. Like it, It's not like today where you take a picture of trash on the ground on your phone or whatever, and just it doesn't matter. You had to actually care because it was more, you know, it's like film in general. It just has more like value to it. It's like, is this worth the, the money, the time, the everything, you know? Definitely. They had to put money into uh, into buying and processing the film and sometimes hiring the photographer to take the photo. Um, and it's, it's different having something tangible. Um, nowadays, we can shoot 100 or 200 photos like without leaving our beds in the morning. Um, back mm -hmm. then, a lot more went into it. Um, so to see that kind of discarded and thrown out like it hurt my heart a little bit so i just wanted to pick those up and scan them and try and repurpose them put them back out there yeah and that's it's like that's like a fun you know project and it's nice to sometimes just do some stuff that you're just doing for whatever reason that has nothing to do with money or like i don't know climbing some kind of ladder like I'm sure it was kind of meditative to just go in and like fix up all those dusts and like color correct and just kind of be like wow like I wonder who these people were and, and things like that definitely I'll be like I'll usually do it in batches and I'll just sit for a few hours and like scan these pictures and start color correcting them and editing them and tweaking them and doing all the adjustments that need to be made and I'll just like yeah. see these pictures of people living their lives fifties and sixties. And I'll start wondering like, who are they? Where are they now? These people were like kids, brothers, grandparents, uncles, they all have like mm -hmm. unique lives. And now they're just, for me, they're just a picture of somebody that I don't know sitting on my, on my desktop. So I wanted to put those out there be cool to somehow you know connect with those people or like if someone ever sees yeah. it that'll be awesome that like yeah. knows it's them or something i've been waiting for that to happen um i think that would be really cool if i could connect somebody with an old picture of themselves or somebody they know 
Yeah. Cause that'd be surreal. Just, you know, waking up to like that DM, like, yo, that's like my brother, John or whatever that was in Minnesota or something like crazy like that. Exactly. So, um, do you have kind of any other endeavors you're working on out in LA and like, or in San Diego freelance wise right now? Um, Freelance, I mean, I just have a few smaller company contracts that I'm just working away on. Um, mm-hmm. But the more fun stuff is uh, I'm trying to put together a book. I've been working on my first book for quite some time nice. now. Um, that probably won't be done for the next like two or three years, though. So that's... That's a long-term project. And then more short-term, I'm looking into putting together my first gallery, a little exhibition with some of the um, more artistic portraits and fine art photos that I've taken lately. That's, other than that, not not much going on. Yeah. You think you're going to be doing the, or actually first off the book thing, um, that's going to be sick, like to do a, big lay flat like I think that's I don't I know as a designer it's not as common but I feel like for photographers that almost seems like a big like goal and like rite of passage to print the big hardcover like coffee table book of all your best work and everything it's um yeah it's it's definitely a big milestone that I'm looking forward to I was gonna put it into production um this past year and I just kind of did mm-hmm. some reflecting and I looked at one of the sample books that I printed and I realized that my work had shifted already. Like by the time I got the sample book printed, my work had shifted from what was in it. And I also saw my work mm-hmm. taking a new direction yeah. into fine art. Uh, so I just, I didn't want to put out a book that wasn't going to be reflective of where my work is headed yeah. in the future and where it is right now. So I just kind of put that on hold and started building up the photos that are going to go into that book. I mean, that's good. You had kind of the like hindsight or whatever to look back and and think like, it's probably better off to wait. And like, as long as you don't do that too much and like get into that thing where you're always like, Oh, I suck. I suck. Like a year ago, a year ago, a year ago, I think it'll be worth it. Cause you know, you seem like you would have an understanding of like, oh, this this is my best stuff. I'm glad that I didn't yeah. print the the early stuff or whatever. Um, yeah, for the gallery though, do you have a spot planned like LA or San Diego? Do you know anything details wise you're gonna do? No, no concrete details yet. Um, yeah. All I know right now is pretty much which pictures are gonna go in it and which ones are getting printed. Um. I'm talking to a few, uh, I'd call them consultants, um, Mm -hmm. just kind of helping me out, choose the best photos and kind of guiding me into that world of of galleries. There's there's definitely a few spots that I have in mind, both in LA and San Diego. So Mm -hmm. after the first one, I might do, I might do one in San Diego, one in LA, vice versa. Um, just to kind of get my both both of my crowds into into the gallery, um, but yeah, no, nothing concrete right now. Yeah, I think that's a good idea, especially you know, to if you're going to be there for uh, a little bit long or a while longer or whatever, you want to you don't want to neglect the place you're living and only you know go to LA and do all your stuff. Yeah, yeah, I definitely have a good crowd of people backing me up down here in San Diego. And then I have the whole crowd in LA of influencers and artists and everybody out there that I'm friends with. So mm-hmm. it'd be great to have both crowds show up. Have you felt like, you know, I know you're working in LA a lot, but now that you've lived in San Diego for a little and you're saying you have these other crowds and things, have you felt that, like, is it a big difference? Did you, did it make you realize that like LA people are a, a very specific type of people compared to other places? Yeah. I, I noticed it when I moved to LA. Um, I definitely mm-hmm. struggled a little bit moving there just because 
relationships there. Um, and I'm not saying all of them are, but a lot of them are more superficial. Um, mm-hmm. for sure. It's harder to find friends that you can just hit up on a Friday night and be like, yo, come over. Um, like let's get some drinks yeah. or whatever. Not to say that doesn't exist, but it takes a lot longer in my opinion, to find that core group of friends in LA than it does down here where everybody's just kind of like, yeah. everybody's getting beers and for five. So you're always welcome to join whoever. And yeah. it's just, it's, it's a very different vibe down here. Yeah, that's true. And I, I feel like I have a little bit of a different opinion on LA just because I never really, like I never grew up in LA, like downtown, but I've always lived besides college, you know, like 20, 30 minutes from LA. So uh, I don't have that same story where people are like, oh, I moved here from like the Midwest or whatever. So I I feel like I kind of look at it differently because the people I know, I always kind of knew. So I I was like privileged enough to not have to like move to LA and meet people. I already got to know people at least, which is nice. And then, you know, they're your real friends and it's not like they're not trying to build or whatever they're trying to do out here. Uh, yeah, it was rough moving there first and like trying to kind of meet new people and make a group of friends. And I feel like as a photographer, um, it's very common for people to try and take advantage of that in friendships yeah. or relationships or anything. So there was definitely a lot of friendships in LA that I would like start to hang out with people and then like our second or third time meeting they'd be like oh you're a photographer like you want to shoot pictures for my instagram um i'll give you exposure and like i don't mind taking pictures of the people that i know are my friends but when it's people that i've just met and i know that they a lot of them might just be in it for that it's 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 a weird thing moving in a city like that yeah yeah, man. Exposure, though. You know, you could pay your rent with that these days, I heard. Puts food on my table. <laughs> yeah, that sucks because it, it's the same way, um, the vice versa. Like, if you're the um, person that people want to f- photograph or work with, you probably you also get taken advantage of because they just want your name on things. Or, like, it goes both ways, and it's hard to... It's definitely hard to decipher uh, who's in it for, like, whatever like clout you have or any of that versus like genuine relationships there's something really nice about like hanging out with people that honestly like don't give a fuck about like design or art or anything and they're kind of just like whatever dude like cool oh you're doing your little like pictures that's cool a lot of my closest friends are like math kids and science kids yeah they could not care about social media or any of that and it's it's so refreshing Mm-hmm. a lot of my uh, older friends like from like back home that don't do yeah like design and stuff they're always like what the hell like someone paid you to do that that's sick and i'm just like they're are they're like i didn't even know people paid for that i was like yeah it, they didn't used to pay me so it's cool they they do now you know yeah definitely um have has shooting and things like just your general process with uh shoots and these models has it gone a lot back to like a normalcy since we last talked and like with covid and everything is it more a little more lax again um i i'd say yes um there's a little difference just in the fact that i was shooting a lot more back then and especially pre-covid and beginning of covid I was doing shoots mm. all the time just for fun. Um, right. Now, even put aside, now I'm just kind of taking on the projects that are paying my rent and then being kind of selective about whatever else I'm shooting. So I'm not shooting as much and I'm not shooting with as many people, but I'm definitely sensing um, people starting to relax a lot, especially now that people are kind of getting vaccinated and feeling more comfortable. Mm-hmm um it's it's been nice from my perspective as somebody that does a job that literally involves me like hanging out with different people um 
it's been a lot nicer just kind of being able to get back to a small sense of normalcy. Yeah, definitely. It's funny how I didn't think the vaccine was going to so quickly turn these people that I knew from like, they wouldn't even let me come over to their house to like, they want to already go party. I'm like, that's, that's all it took for people to feel like they can do whatever they want again. I thought for a while it was gonna, I thought it was going to feel weird. Like I went to this like concert thing and there were so many people there. And I thought like, it was like a month ago. And I thought that when I first did that, I was going to feel weird and like still want my like mask the whole time and everything. And then after like five minutes, it felt like that was just the same as the week before or the year before. Like, it's really easy to get back into whatever like was going on. I went to a, uh, I went to an art gallery opening night a few mm-hmm. months ago and it was the first like actual event that I had been to since COVID. And I thought yeah. it was going to be like super weird seeing all those people and I got there and it was at max capacity and I hadn't seen mm-hmm. that many people in one place and over it. so for the first like 10 minutes I was just like really caught off guard and it, it just seemed so weird and then everybody yeah. just got so comfortable it was like COVID even a thing in recent memory anymore everybody was still like wearing yeah. masks and stuff but it was just kind of kind of weird getting back to that type of world that we lived in and yeah i feel like the um the general population and like the media and stuff they really downplay people's ability to just like completely forget about shitty things and just try to move on and like do whatever they want and party or whatever definitely um, I wanted you to talk about, I remember, I, I think it spawned from when we talked last time and I asked you about maybe it was like your favorite shoot or like campaign. And uh, you were talking about that shoot you did where you like traveled with those people and stuff, uh, with the bus and everything. Right. Right. Um, I actually just got a tour poster from that framed like yesterday. Um, yeah, so it was it was this band called the Bash Dogs from Orange County, and I think I was like sixteen or seventeen years old, and I DM'd mm-hmm. their lead singer. I saw they were play a venue by my house, and I just messaged them, and I was like, "Yo, like, let me into the show, and I'll shoot for free." And so we we um we showed up, and I shot the show, and we started hanging out, and. They snuck me a few beers out, like, in the parking lot behind <laughs> yeah. the venue. Um, and they just became homies right away. And through the years, like, we sort of stayed in touch. We would talk, like, a few times out of the year. And then out of the blue, the singer, Nate, he texted me. And he just, it was like a Thursday. And he's like, yo, check out this music festival lineup. And I was checking it out. And it was like a super super sweet lineup but i like didn't have any money so i was like all right yeah that's cool like i can't go and he was like no dude come with us like it's this weekend and and i was like i can't afford a ticket phoenix tomorrow like i'm not doing that and he goes no dude we're playing just come with us or bus come with us so i was like all right Uh, you know what i'm not passing up the opportunity to go on a tour and I turned my car around. I was on my way to LA and I texted my my client and I was like, yo, sorry, not doing it. Turned my car around, packed a bag, um, just got ready to go. And 8 a.m. the next morning, I drove up to his house and we all just, it was, it was a really wild tour that lasted about three days and then COVID shut it down. But um yeah, we, we got to play this music festival in Phoenix for the first stop on the tour. And we missed the entire first day. The tour bus broke down and we spent an entire day just trying to get back on the road. And the tour bus yeah. never ended up actually working. So I remember we all took turns driving it. And if you like went below 15 miles an hour, the engine would shut off. So you would have to step on the gas, shut it off, <laughs> turn it back on. Just the scariest driving experience on the freeway um 
but yeah, I got I got the opportunity to document that shooting photos the whole weekend. Um, got to take pictures of some really really cool artists out there, and uh, yeah, that that Monday I think it was we got back to LA. We were getting ready for the next leg of the tour, which was NorCal, and we were on our way up and we got a text that was like, "Yo, turn around." everything shut down san francisco had shut down because of covid for the first time yeah damn that was in like march then right it was march 12th yep damn yeah that i remember you telling me that though because that had that was a lot more fresh when you told me i think it had been only a few months since that tour and i think though you made the right decision at, at least in doing like the trying it because there's some there's times in my life where I got those things and I and I go and I go to the client like you were, you were doing instead you know and I just do what I was doing and there's other times where I actually go out and do those like more risky opportunities and it always pays off even something as small as like you know you want to like in college I'd want to study late at night and someone would call me up to do something and it's like you're always going to remember going and doing that thing and you're never going to look back and remember like, Oh, at least I got like, I studied a little bit more or I did that job or something. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, I tend to try and really take those opportunities as they come just because it like, first of all, it leads to cooler stories than just having gone to another shoot for some client. Those things can always be rescheduled but I'm mm-hmm. not rescheduling this band's tour so that it fits my schedule. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, it definitely led to some cool opportunities and I've gotten to work with some really cool musical artists just through the photos that I shot on that tour. Um, I actually just shot that band's new album cover. I think it's the first oh, or nice. second album cover that I've shot coming out. They're putting out a vinyl in like 10 days so it's gonna be crazy to see like my photos on a final album cover and have that in my collection and that all came from just saying yes to going on tour hell yeah yeah that's dope like i always i've done a couple album arts and stuff but that never went to they never were big enough to go to print you know they just live in like the soundcloud and ether or somewhere but um It'd be so cool to design a full on like gatefold and everything and just get yeah. like a double LP that you, that's going to be sick. Is it just like a, what does it look like? What was the concept for that one? So the band is called the Bash Dogs and mm-hmm. they forever, like part of their, um, their whole look has been these dog masks that they always have. And they're, they're always mm-hmm. like, they don't wear them, but they always just have them around for some reason. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a vibe. And they're kind of transitioning into a new, more mature, I think, style and look as a band. And mm-hmm. their sound is developing into something new. Um, and so we kind of wanted to shoot something that, in a sense, symbolized like still them being that disco, like, party rock band but kind of leaving behind Mm -hmm. a little bit of their um a little bit of their roots and so we shot just like on a sick wall so it's all white sitting at a white table wearing white jumpsuits and cowboy hats with champagne glasses and um i think the back cover i don't remember which picture they chose but we have these jars of water that they're holding in front of their heads so their faces are all distorted. And then on the back yeah. cover, it's the dog masks in the bowl instead of their faces. Damn, uh, that's sick. Yeah, that's dope. It's cool. I don't even know about the, these people, but it sounds like a cool, like that's kind of what I was thinking when you started explaining it, like they're leaving behind the old like dog masks or whatever. That's that, yeah. it's tight. Yeah, yeah, I think this might come out. Uh, uh, this will come out after that 10 days from now. So if you want to send me a picture of that, I'll throw it up. Yeah. You can see how it looks. Yeah, well, um, 
yeah, I, I don't know when exactly they're putting that out, but I'm stoked. Hell yeah. That's dope, man. And I'm looking forward to seeing that and a lot more stuff you do. And uh, we're going to go over now to the Patreon. If you want to check out the Q&A, we're going to do that segment. But other than that, really appreciate you coming on again, man. It was nice getting to talk to you second time. Yeah. Yeah. It's always good talking to you. Thank you for having me a second time. Mm-hmm. Of course. And then uh, go check out the Patreon for the Q&A. And other than that, check out Dan on Instagram. It's uh, Dan Pop SD, right? That's right. All right, cool. All right, man. Take it easy. Sounds good.